Welcome to Medical Mystery Cases, Short Tales to Ponder, Puzzling Histories, Confounding Symptoms and Strange Findings Lead to Diagnosis Bewilderment. Tune in for a few minutes and test your skills. I'm an emergency medicine doc. Most cases we see here in the ED are pretty straightforward. We can usually make fairly quick diagnosis, assign a treatment plan, and send the patient home. But sometimes a patient will come in with symptoms that are really confusing, which was the case recently. I was working a 12-hour shift. Just signed in at 8 p.m. when a man with a very sick wife, an infant, and a three-year-old in tow came in. The wife was 29 years old, had given birth to a healthy full-term boy just a couple of weeks ago. When the family arrived, she was in a lot of pain. She told us that she'd been having severe abdominal cramping, nausea, watery diarrhea, loss of appetite. This had been going on for at least a week. I felt sorry for her. Sorry for all of them. During the intake process, the husband said it was food poisoning. He told us about the extended family getting together a few days ago to meet the new baby. They went to an all-you-can-eat buffet, and his wife started feeling sick a few hours after they left the restaurant. He said some of the other members of the family had GI problems that night, and they thought it might be the spinach from the salad bar, but their issues only lasted a day or so. The young mom was the only one in their group whose symptoms continued to get much worse. She was really weak, really dehydrated. Our first step was to start her on an IV, and we took samples for lab work. The husband had been providing the majority of care for both of their children over the past several days. He looked like he needed an IV, too, and sleep. The three-year-old was super cute, freckle-faced blonde and high energy. Funny, as his name was Dennis. Think Dennis the menace of cartoon fame. It suited him well. We needed to get mom healthy and get this family functioning again. We had to figure out what was causing all of these symptoms. When the test results came back, they weren't that helpful. The chem panel results were in the normal range. The CBC showed a highly elevated leukocyte count of 30,000, mostly neutrophils. The GI panel on the watery stool specimen came back negative for enterics, so no sign of salmonella, enterohemorrhagic E. coli, shigella, protozoan parasites, or viruses. This meant that whatever was happening wasn't caused by something she had eaten. Urine culture was negative, so we proceeded with a chest x-ray and a CT scan of the abdomen and pelvis. X-ray was clear. CT showed fluid-filled normal caliber segments of small bowel with minimal ascites, consistent with enteritis. So bowel obstruction was excluded. Then we looked again at her history. Turns out she had a history of Crohn's disease, so we called for a GI consultation. He ordered a quantitative lactoferrin on her stool specimen. Lactoferrin concentration is an indicator of elevated intestinal inflammation and inflammatory bowel disease. The result came back as greater than 100 micrograms of lactoferrin per gram, which indicated moderate to severe inflammation. I'm certain it's a flare-up of her Crohn's disease. Now that she's hydrated, let's send her home on some oral steroids and schedule her for a follow-up in two weeks in my office. We had a diagnosis that morning. At the end of my shift... Inflammatory bowel disease. The oral steroids would treat the inflammation but allow her to continue nursing her newborn. 
I went home, felt confident we put this family back together. Mystery solved. But five days later, the family returned. Hello. I was again on duty. The young mom was still stricken and even weaker. It had been just over 12 days since her symptoms first started. We had ruled out food poisoning and the steroids had been ineffective. As I retraced our steps and went over the patient's history and medical information, I realized that when we came upon the previous incidents of Crohn's disease, we'd stop there. I started wondering if there was maybe something else in her medical history that we missed. Maybe something that could suggest a different diagnosis. I continued to review her history and requested a consultation with the GI specialist on call that day. She was available for a virtual consult. We went through the patient's history and symptoms together, the test results, the steps we had taken. Hmm. What about CDI? Did you test for that? CDI, Clostridioides difficile infection. We had not. We collected another watery stool specimen from her and sent it to the lab. The lab's algorithm testing confirmed that C. diff and C. diff toxin were both present. The positive toxin indicated the presence of active disease. Antibiotics are some of the most frequently prescribed medications during pregnancy and lactation to prevent neonatal group B streptococcus, sepsis, or as a cesarean prophylaxis, it's estimated that over 40% of pregnant women are given antibiotics just prior to delivery. Unfortunately, antibiotics can also eliminate the good bacteria in the patient's gut and vaginal microbiomes. The result is bad bacteria such as C. diff, if ingested, are not inhibited by the normal microbiota and are free to proliferate unchecked. After another review of her records, we discovered that our patient was, in fact, treated with a course of antibiotics prior to giving birth. It's common for infants under the age of two years old to tolerate C. diff colonization without symptoms, so we had the baby tested as well. He returned positive for CDI but negative for the C. diff toxin, and he was asymptomatic. We also had Dad and little Dennis tested as a precaution. Neither had taken antibiotics recently, and they were both negative. It's possible that the baby may have infected the mother during a diaper change. The patient was treated with fidaxomycin to stop the growth of C. diff bacteria. The lab reported the mother's C. diff results to the hospital's director of infection control. They reported to the CDC's National Healthcare Safety Network, and we were later informed that there had been a CDI outbreak in the perinatal wing. The hospital implemented targeted disinfection measures and new staff training programs to avoid further incidences. Nosocomial infections such as CDI are a problem in settings such as hospitals where there are sick and immunocompromised individuals in tight quarters. Hospital staff need to rigorously follow cleaning and sanitation protocols, hand washing, and isolation procedures. But it's not only about cleaning and isolation protocols. Use of antibiotics can also allow the growth of undesirable bacteria when patients' symbiotic microbiota are disrupted. Well, we solved the case and our patient recovered. It wasn't the buffet, but the mystery remains. Who gave mom C. diff? Was it the baby or the hospital stay? You've been listening to Medical Mystery Cases. If you enjoyed this production, Click the subscribe button to be notified of future broadcasts. Also, tune in to On Medical Grounds for in-depth conversations on important medical topics.
Medical mystery cases are developed in conjunction with leading medical and scientific experts. The patient profiles and information presented contain realistic scenarios, data, and outcomes that are not taken from actual patients and should never serve as a substitute for professional medical advice. The cases are intended for healthcare professionals to gain insight into disease state diagnoses and treatments founded in evidence-based medicine.